All right. Well, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky, but to kids, kids usually call me Mr. S. Mr. S? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we are live here in the K-5 uh, Sunday School in between services, and we just heard uh, a little bit about uh, weather and feelings and how um, God feels when he's sad and uh Catherine Campbell's here, and she said that we talked about laments. Did I say it right? You did. That's yes. laments. Uh, does somebody want to tell us what laments is? It's, uh, oh, um, Catherine, uh, hand her the mic. You can hold the microphone in your hand this time. Whoa. This is it's cool. a um, feeling like scared, mad, calm, silly. <laughs> Did you draw some of that in your picture? What's your picture of? It's a tornado that's mad. <laughs> cool. Do you want to hand the mic to someone else? They can tell us what's in their picture. Yeah, what did you draw? I drew a sunny day, and it started raining, and it made a rainbow. Nice. Nice. Anybody else want to share on the mic? Pass it over. I made a thunderstorm because sometimes when you feel angry or mad, you just want to let it out uh, with one of your family members. And it's just really, and I just, and it's just, it's just cool to be around people. Do you guys like doing um, Sunday school here? Yes. What's your favorite like Sunday school thing to do? Uh, drawing. You like drawing it? I so this like is good. Drawing. This yeah, is a good day. Oh well, yeah, you pass it along. We got one more to share, maybe. If she's almost done, you want to share yours? I'm almost done. I just need to do. Do one more thing, and then you can tell us what's in the picture on the microphone. This question is a lament. Is it a prayer? It's an emotion for a prayer that you can tell God about. And he can help you and make a path for you to figure out how to be happier. If I was going to draw a picture, I'd probably draw a sunshine because um, James's dad just told me that tomorrow is National Cheeseburger Day. <laughs> Yay! National Cheeseburger Day! Right. And uh, I talk about cheeseburgers all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, we get to eat cheeseburgers, I guess. Yeah, cheeseburgers. Yeah, that's you know a sunny I day. I hope it's sunny tomorrow. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> she told on you. <laughs> I drew a sunshine and rain because oh, I feel happy good. and sad at the same time sometimes. Did you talk to God about it? What do you say to God when happy and sad? I hope you can make me feel better. All right. Well, perfect. Well, Sunday School, thank you for being on our podcast this week. And I'm sure I will come by again sometime and we can talk about what you're working on again. All right. Everybody say bye. There is a video that has made its way around the Internet a few times, a compilation video of men and women and children who are putting on their cochlear implants for the very first time. And you get to see what it is like for these individuals to go from silence 
to sound in just a moment. And what's amazing isn't the sound, it's the expression on their faces. It's in their eyes, it's in every muscle of their face. Their whole countenance changes. Now yes, there's some mystery, they aren't really sure what's going on. But more than anything, what you see in their faces is joy. They have traveled from silence to sound in a moment, and there is deep, abiding joy with them and jubilation. I had a friend who went through this experience. They weren't completely deaf, but they missed a lot of nuances. For the first few years I knew him, he thought my name was Anna Picnic Strait, which, <laughs> quite frankly, I'll take. Anna Picnic Strait is a good name. But he told me that when he got his cochlear implant, for the very first time in his life, he heard birds singing. He'd been able to follow along with most things, but had never been able to hear bird song. It was such a deep and profound joy. When the Israelites pass through the Red Sea to the other side, they are traveling from silence to sound. From sea to dry land, they are traveling from slavery to freedom. And their first reaction is joy and jubilation. And they sing and dance and celebrate and give thanks to God. And this is a celebration of a people who have never known freedom. In their entire lifetime, they were born as enslaved people and yet the whole time they knew that was not what they were intended to be, not what they were created to be. They knew throughout their entire lives that while they were enslaved in Egypt, they were children of God. And while they were there, even in hardships, they did not postpone joy. But some of their joy had been postponed for them. And when they crossed that sea, they know freedom. And there was nothing holding it back. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, calling on current events and drawing back to this moment, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. It's what the Israelites are proclaiming. Now they hadn't always been an enslaved people in Egypt. Once upon a time they were honored citizens. The Israelites had arrived during a time of famine in their own land, and in Egypt there was abundant grain. Abundant grain because of Joseph, an Israelite, who had warned them that famine was coming. And so in addition to the grain they gathered normally, they also gathered enough for the famine times. And when Joseph's family arrived, they were honored guests. They were fed, they were cared for. It's what the Bible asks of us. It's what we are asked to do for those who are strangers, those who come to us in need. We are to treat them as honored guests. But generations pass, and stories have a way sometimes of being forgotten. And at some point, Pharaoh begins to listen to a different story. He begins to listen to that myth of scarcity instead of trusting in the abundance. And he begins to think of people in categories. There's my people and there's them. And I want to make sure there's enough for my people. And I'm not going to worry about them. So the Israelites travel from honor to enslavement. But they do not forget who they are or whose they are. 
They keep the faith. They celebrate their God. And they flourish. And their flourishing in this difficult time only perplexes and frustrates Pharaoh. He increases their workload. He tries to kill their children. But in response, there are midwives who defy Pharaoh's order. In response, even under a heavier workload, the Israelites flourish and thrive. Pharaoh gets more frustrated. But at this point, God decides to change the game a bit. And speaking through a burning bush, Moses is called with the help of Aaron to announce to Pharaoh that he must let God's children go. Now, Pharaoh is in control and in charge. And like so many people who are in control and in charge, he is reluctant to let go. He has an economic advantage. He will not let go. How would the story have been different if Pharaoh had seen things differently? If he had not been so afraid? If he'd been able to let go of that which was never his to begin with? We don't know. Because Pharaoh, fearful, fearful Pharaoh, refuses. And then come the plagues. Water turns to blood. There are frogs and gnats and flies, livestock dying and boils and thunder and hail and locusts and darkness. And then finally the angel of death, which visits every Egyptian household and does what Pharaoh wanted to happen to the Israelites. The life of a child is taken in every home. At this point, Pharaoh breaks down. He is not, after all, made of steel. And each of these plagues was serious. But in the final, he cannot help but be heartbroken. Now, throughout this, throughout all of these plagues, we're told that Pharaoh has moments of wanting to give in. But then the text tells us his heart is hardened. A more accurate translation might be that fear creeps back in his heart. And he changes his mind until this final plague when even it's too much for Pharaoh. And he says, go, go, rise up, go away from my people, the Israelites. Go worship the Lord. Take your flocks and your herds. Just go. Be gone from here. But what happens after just a day or two? Even Pharaoh forgets. And he starts to chase after them. The fear creeps back in. How will he survive without people to make money for him, to build buildings for him? And he grows fearful, so he goes to get them back. He cannot imagine a different world in which the world he currently lives. And it is then that the Israelites cross the Red Sea, and because they pursue, the ocean overtakes them. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Now, even though the story is written and it is clear that the Israelites are intended to escape, it doesn't feel like we should celebrate the death of the soldiers. They were doing what was commanded. It is a tragedy worth grief. For what it's worth, I think the text is written in a way to tell us that the Israelites are celebrating their freedom more than they are celebrating a defeat. Now, that might be a distinction without a difference but it feels important to say. We should also note that the Israelites are not home free. They have a journey ahead of them that will take decades. And it will be a hard journey, full of potholes and missed road signs. They are not 
home free. They are not at the end of their journey. This song of celebration, they are in the middle. And it's a messy story. We may want to understand stories in terms of clear rights and wrongs, but these are not two-dimensional characters that we are given in this text. Moses has flaws. Pharaoh has redeeming qualities. It is a little bit, I might be so bold to suggest, like life. And many of us, I know, find ourselves in middle places too, where we know we are not where we are intended to be, and yet we are not at the beginning either. So today, what I take from this text, from this part of Exodus where Moses and Miriam and the people sing and dance and celebrate, is a reminder that we too should celebrate when and where we can. When we find joy, where we find joy, it is not something to be minimized because we know where we have been and we know where we are going. You should find and hold on to joy whenever and wherever you can. Do not postpone joy. The Israelites did not. They danced. They celebrated, knowing they had road to travel, knowing where they had been. They danced and they sang. A few years ago, as Hurricane Irma made its way past Haiti, I heard from the mission worker who had been assigned to Haiti, who had been forced to evacuate, and as the storm passed, she started trying to reach out to the people she was serving to find out how they had fared, what was going on with their homes and their families. And she finally got a phone call through, and she said when she did, she could not hear what the person was saying on the other side. All she could hear were these loud, reverberating, harmonic shouts. And she found out what was going on was that the storm was still passing, it was still raining, and yet while it still rained, hundreds of people in that congregation had gathered to thank God for sparing them and protecting their lives. Now many of their homes were damaged, many of them were filled with mud, they had hard work ahead. And yet they found in that moment as the storm passed, they were called to celebrate and seize joy and give thanks. She said her faith was stirred, her heart was encouraged, because they proclaimed that all they had was God and it was enough. They were not celebrating in ignorance of their problems or in denial of them. Their cries of celebration did not make justice any less urgent. It was that they were seeing all things through the eyes of faith, eyes like those of the Israelites. And I don't believe we have to travel through the Red Sea to know what that is like. I think we can all look back and see in our own lives the challenges we have faced. I think we all know the challenges that are ahead. And yet we also know how to be here to seize joy. For we too are in the middle not yet where we are called to be, and not yet where we began as a nation, as a community, and individually. But today we have an opportunity, and if we neglect joy, we do so at our peril, because we are called to celebrate, if for no other reason than to honor Miriam and Moses and Arian, Miriam, Miriam called a prophet in the Bible. This is no little thing. 
She is the third person in the Bible to be called a prophet. She is the first woman to be called a prophet. For them, for the courage they had to go forward, we can too celebrate joy. And I invite you to think about places in your own lives where you have seen joy recently. I think about the couple whose wedding I officiated recently who were so excited to get married that they would not even wait for me to get the vows out that they were to repeat before they shouted, I do! (laughs) Or the baby that takes their first steps. A supper shared with people you love. Or something I heard recently from Betsy Leach as we talked about her mother-in-law. Doris, whose ashes we'll be placing in the memorial garden in just a few weeks. She said Doris and her husband loved to play cards, mostly bridge, and they often gathered to play together, but they had a tradition, and that was that the winner bought dinner. (laughs) And I love that because it changes, because usually it's the loser who pays, right? But here they switched it, so instead of a punishment, it's a celebration. The winner buys dinner. It is seizing joy. Where is joy in your life? Where is it here? Where is it coming up? Where has it been in recent memory? Today we are reminded that we should hold on to those things, take up our tambourines and celebrate them, because God is still God and we are still God's children. And not only is joy important in the moment, But that is the sustenance that will carry us through whatever is ahead, knowing that we are always God's children and that God will give us what we need for the journey we are called to take. Joy helps us remember who we are and whose we are. It doesn't fix everything. Nor does God cause bad things to happen. It doesn't fix all of it. But it does help us keep God's kingdom in our sight. For as the Israelites proclaimed, the Lord is our strength and our might. He has become our salvation. This is our God and we will praise him. Our Father's God, we will exalt him. Alleluia. Amen. Friends, go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve God. And may the God of hope fill us with such joy and peace in believing that we abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Amen.